Hi, friends. You're listening to Midlife Plot Twists. I'm your host, Lucy Baber. This podcast is for anyone who's gotten to their 30s, 40s, or 50s and realized life isn't always as linear as we expected. Tune in monthly as I interview guests about their own midlife plot twists and hear how they've navigated all of life's unexpected twists and turns. Hey, everybody, it's Lucy Baber, and today I am interviewing a friend of mine and a mentor of mine. Um, Her name is Latoya Dixon-Smith, and actually, I don't know if you go by both last names, do you, Latoya? I do. (laughs) Okay, good. I should have checked with that ahead of time. Um, Cool. So Latoya Dixon-Smith is here with me today, and um, just a brief introduction to Latoya. I met Latoya, gosh, years ago. I probably should have done my research and figured out exactly what year, but years and years ago, I want to say almost not quite 10, maybe seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, we both spoke at a photography conference called the unconvention in Richmond, Virginia. And we ended up having not met each other prior to this, uh, as roommates, for that conference. And it was so much fun getting to meet LaToya in that intimate space because, you know, we're girls, we hung out and talked all through the night. It was the two of us and uh, Brittany, right? Yeah. 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 And, and we just like the three of us are the kinds of people that just go right for like the deep questions. So <laughs> I remember those being some fun nights, but anyway, since then, LaToya has become a part of my life as a friend, as a photography colleague out in the industry, and um, most recently as a mentor. Um, she helped me kind of shape my new coaching services and helped me walk through a lot of that process. And so I'm so excited to have her here. I'm going to let LaToya introduce herself, and then we're going to talk about Um, something besides photography, although that always supports uh, the work that each of us do. But go ahead, take it away, LaToya. Tell us about yourself. Thank you, Lucy. No, it's my pleasure to be here. So yes, my name is LaToya Dixon-Smith. I kept (laughs) my maiden name because I I don't know. I think um, I wanted to always remember like who I am and where I came from. And I'd also had created quite the personal brand before I got married as well. So I didn't want to lose that. So that's why I have two last names, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I, yeah. So I started out as a mechanical engineer and used to work for General Electric for many years before I got laid off and decided to go full-time into photography Shortly after that layoff, we were expecting our second child, our daughter, Liana, and that whole process of pregnancy and postpartum really gave me the start to my journey in just re reimagining like what life was like, especially inside of this body. I'm sure as other moms can relate to, you know, postpartum is quite the, the journey. You got so many hormones coursing throughout your body, just body changes. When you look at yourself, you you see yourself quite differently and you might feel quite differently as well. So I went through that whole, that whole process, which actually led me to starting my boudoir brand, um, Greenville Boudoir, uh, based in Greenville, South Carolina. And then shortly into that venture, I decided to become a sex doula because I wanted to support my clients just outside of delivering photos. And even though I was already doing so, I wanted to have sort of the structure and the framework to support them um, and reconnecting with themselves and helping my clients express themselves and their sensuality in a space that was supportive and safe to do so. Um, As Lucy mentioned, I also do some coaching. I especially love to work with other Um, creatives and helping them really integrate all parts of them. So, you know, Lucy is a photographer, but she's also a coach. She's also a therapist. There's so many parts and sides of her that really just are are beautiful. And so we don't want to um, forget or leave out any of those experiences 
outside of, you know, just one specific career, which is, which is what I do for myself as well. I, I really aim to integrate all parts of me in whatever it is that I do, because I think that, you know, over time, the story just kind of builds on to just this beautiful uh, summary of, of what we bring to the table. And so that's kind of my, my short summary of who I am. It's probably not that short, but <laughs> it gives you a glimpse of who, who you're listening to today. I love it. And I wouldn't want it to be short because well, sorry, your energy is so high. It's your, your whole like vibration is always so high that I think you can't leave any of those parts out because you are operating at this level that like, listen to the whole thing and keep up or duck out. But like, yes. if, if you can't keep up with all of that, then like you miss out on the experience of Latoya because you're just, you go get it. And I love that about you. So I'm excited about this talk today. And I think you hit on a topic that I wanted to kind of focus on today. I'm sure my listeners have a lot of questions about what is a sex doula and how did you get there? What do you do with that? What does that look like for your day to day? Yes. So I love that question um, because most people, when they hear the word or the phrase sex doula, you know, the, the word that you're kind of focusing on is the doula part, which we think of mostly birth doulas and how they are very active and present in the birthing process. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not active do, <laughs> during anyone's um, <laughs> sexual experiences, um, at least not consensually that I'm aware of. Um, <laughs> um, but as a sex doula, I, I mainly serve as a coach or a guide to helping individuals uh, connect with their bodies. And so what that may look like is, you know, it may be some coaching around how you uh, experience more pleasure in the bedroom, but it may also just mean, how do I feel more comfortable in my own skin, in my own body, just being okay with who I am, how I am right now today. And so most of the clients that I work with are uh, also former photography clients of mine. Um, I do a little bit of my work inside of the studio, but most of that is spent just with, you know, the entire photography process, but outside of, of, you know, them receiving the, the photographic experience, I do also offer coaching services specifically as it relates to people, um, primarily women who want to reconnect with their bodies and understand their own pleasure even more deeply. So walk me through this. I, let's say I have hired you for photos and I'm vaguely aware that you offer these other services, but how would I, as a potential client become exposed to this part of your work? And also what are some scenarios where I might feel the need to contact you beyond just photos? Right. So most of the clients that find me, uh, especially if they're starting as photography clients will somehow make it over to my personal Instagram, which is where I share a lot more of my coaching work and even just um, thoughts that I'm exploring, ideas that I'm sharing. And also within my private Facebook community that initially started out just for my photography clients, but I've integrated my 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 coaching into that as well. And I'll you know frequently post ideas, questions, and uh, links that they can learn more about my services. But for instance, you know, when I'm meeting with a client in the studio and they're coming for boudoir photos, it starts with a conversation, just like anything else. What motivated you to come here today? Well, I wanted to do some photos for my husband, our anniversary is coming up okay, so why do you want to do boudoir photos? Why not get him a watch or why not buy Mm -hmm. some socks? You know, and then we start to really get into like the layers and the details of why this is so exciting and enticing for them right now. It may reveal that they have wanted to do this for a really long time, but due to, you know, lack of support from their family, maybe even that spouse, um, they weren't sure whether or not this was something for them or whether or not, you know, they would feel comfortable enough. And we can talk about why they may not have felt comfortable. And sometimes it's, they haven't found the right photographer, but uh, many of the times it's the case where 
they are still, you know, self-conscious about their body, which is, is quite normal and it's quite common. And, you know, we talk about those things and I don't get too, too deep into that discussion when we're doing the photos, because we can really be there like literally all day, but (laughs) there are moments and times where I will stop and I'll pause, whether they're getting their makeup done and they're talking about something with the makeup artist, or even in the middle of a session, when I just witness their bodies, just, just relax and they're just naturally like in their, their state of flow. Um, and I, and I stop and I, I comment on that and I acknowledge that because I do think that it's important for us to, or for me, um, as their photographer, but also as someone who genuinely cares to see that they are enjoying themselves to recognize and acknowledge when I, I see them accessing that pleasure in a way that is not sexual, because a lot of my work is, has nothing to do with sexual intercourse, but really understanding yourself and what your desires and what your needs are um, from that standpoint. And so um, once they're in my orbit through photography, of course, they're going to get a, they're going to get a little glimpses and tastes of some of the other work that I do. And it's all about piquing that curiosity. I never um, force my, my, coaching onto clients it's generally like you you're just more curious you want to know more you start following me you see what I'm talking about and you see that I also offer these other services so a lot of times it's just what attracts them to more of what I offer outside of just the photography services yeah that makes perfect sense to me and I I love that you acknowledge that you know it really is I don't know if you use the word common or normal, but um, that whole journey a woman takes with her body and her relationship to her body, especially if there are kids in in her life, um, it is so common. I mean, I see it even in just family photography that, uh, you know, we, we don't even catch the words that we say about our body, which is, you know, reflective of a lot of the inner dialogue that's going on. And so often it's, oh, I don't like this. Oh, that part, eh, I don't want to cover that. Like, uh, I can imagine that it would be really easy in that intimate of a space, photography wise, to just, it lends itself to those more vulnerable conversations about, well, what is your relationship to your body? How has that been shaped over the years? How do people support you with that? That makes perfect sense to me. Oh yeah. And it, it runs the gamut of, of what those, um, reservations are and why they've gotten there, you know, Mm. everything from, uh, more curvy women who are apologizing to me that, you know, they have rolls or creases and I'm like, no, like this, this is just a body. Mm. I, I don't, I do my best to convey to them that there's nothing about them that, deserves an apology that reminds me of um was it Sonia Renee Taylor the body is not an apology but oh it's uh yeah I think actually there's it's um it's a different author but I I, I'm familiar with that book yeah okay um yes please correct me because I do want folks to to get the the correct information about it um but also you know uh oh no you were right I'm sorry (laughs) Sonia (laughs) Renee Taylor yeah she's a Philly author Okay. Nice. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, and there's also like when I have maternity boudoir clients and, you know, they, they're wanting to celebrate that time. And then they're also telling me, oh, I can't wait to get my body back. But in reality, you know, you, your body's changing. It's evolving. It's not going to be the same, you know, it's not going to look the same, feel the same. There's lots of things that are happening that are outside of our control. And as much as we, you know, want to revert back to what we were used to, just because that is a place of familiarity, it it may not be. And so, especially with my own experience, I, you know, I don't try to tell people to feel a certain type of way, but just more so just to be open to what changes may, may come and just see those not as anything that's wrong or that is negatively affecting like who you are and how you see yourself, but it's just different and that's Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, that's, that's huge. So tell me a little bit about, I have so many questions still about being a sex dealer, but tell me a little bit about how you got the certification? What are the steps to 
becoming certified and, and how did you make the decision that this was a necessary step for you in your career? Yes. So I got my certification through the National Black Duels Association. Uh, I started my inc- like my research. I didn't even know like what a sex doula was. So it wasn't like a term that I searched, mm-hmm. but I searched things like how to get more comfortable with your body. And, you know, I may have like included the word certification in there. And then somehow I stumbled upon Um, their work. There's also um, Amina Peterson, who is actually on Sex, Love, and Goop, one of their episodes. And she she did a session with uh, a woman who was in her 60s, but she also has a a company called the Atlanta Institute of Tantra. Mm -hmm. I may have gotten those words out of order, but (laughs) those are all the words in that. (laughs) There are three words, (laughs) Atlanta Institute and Tantra, however they are um, paired up. But I, I really resonated with um, the National Black Girls Association because they also had a community of Black birth workers. And just this, being a Black woman myself, I, want, I definitely felt it was important for me to receive this training from a lens of helping Black women in particular to access pleasure because it wasn't something that I had uh, you know, it wasn't a discussion that I had coming up. I just kind of had to learn a lot of things on my Mm -hmm. own Mm -hmm. and then also learn things from a place that was more shameful. And I did not want that for anyone else that I was supporting. I don't want that for my children. I don't want that for myself. And so that was the, uh, that was kind of like the decision behind going with them. And so the, the process to that certification, we had several days where we, we actually kind of went through all of the training ourselves. Like we had really had to integrate all parts of the strategies, the tips, the exercises, the activities, and the theories that we were learning on ourselves first and foremost, and with our cohort members so that we know what it feels like. We know what it's like to, you know, go through that. Some of us have had some past trauma. Some of us come from, you know, religious backgrounds where it wasn't, you know, it wasn't okay to talk about sex openly, or we didn't have anyone that we felt that we could talk about sex to, um, talking about our, our first sexual experiences, which is something that I've never said out loud to anyone, Mm. but it is important for us to know, like where our foundation and our understanding about what sex is, who can have sex, who can access their pleasure and why, you know, all of these stories that we have about sex, like it was really foundational to, to start there. Um, and our instructor was uh, Crystal Taylor. She goes by Crystal Tantric Yogi on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And she's, she was wonderful, like an incredible instructor because, because she's a yogi, you know, we did a lot of like somatic practices, but we were moving our body and checking in with our bodies at each point. Like even when we were going through the heavy emotional stuff, she, she really showed us how to hold space for one another so that, you know, when we are in practice with our clients, we were able to hold space for them as well from a standpoint of not that I know everything about your body and, or everything about how, you know, what is, um, pleasurable to you, but just to honor like what you're feeling and that let that be okay. Because I think that's something that is, is key and integral throughout this entire process is honoring everything that comes up and not just saying, oh, well, we're only going to focus on the good things, um, or what we perceive to be good. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, no feeling is good or bad. It just is. And just allowing that to kind of be the like the north star to to everything else that we're learning in this training both from a a theoretical standpoint as well as experiential yeah I think that's huge I've actually I mean uh we should have covered this earlier I I just turned 40 I know I've talked about that on the podcast remind me how old you are Latoya I just turned 32 this year okay so you're not quite in the midlife range that as we're defining it in this podcast, but, um, but you're still, you know, experiencing a body that is changing over the years. And, um, and we're all on the same journey of having a relationship with our body and having to intuit 
you know, what is this sensation? What, what is the feeling attached to this, this bodily sensation? Um, and, you know, I bring up age because I was, I was going to lead with, um, I just turned 40 and I'm still figuring that out. I'm still mm. having to understand what it means to be in my body, feel like be present in this, you know, this weird skin sack <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and understand like, oh, that feeling that I get when my hands feel kind of tickly and uh, my, my stomach has like weird butterflies, that's because I'm anxious about something. Or, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I feel like my heart's racing and, and I start to like overheat a little bit, nine times out of 10, like I'm upset about something. I can even be angry or raging. And I, I actually, uh, this past year had finally found a therapist who uh, was completely tuned into that um, somatic experiencing and was really able to guide me through those, those things that really we should be teaching our kids. Like Mm -hmm. this is what this sensation in your body means for your, your heart, for your mind, for your emotions. And this is, and then the the next step is what you mentioned with uh, the tantric yoga instructor is um, how do we make space in our bodies without judgment to let that feeling move through us and, Mm. and to hold it, experience the feeling and then let it kind of pass through us in a healthy, productive way, instead of, you know, becoming so tense that your shoulders are up to your ears every day or, you know, whatever, like there's where our bodies are experiencing the sensations, whether we allow it to or not. And so how are we going to make space for that is the key really, I think, to figuring out how to do this life thing in any healthy, meaningful way. Yeah, definitely. As you were, as you were uh, talking, it reminds me of like when we're in the studio with uh, a client and I noticed that their shoulders are like rising, like towards their ears. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say, Oh, drop your shoulders. I say it one time and every, every time thereafter, they are aware of it. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I'm like, okay, so that either means they're uncomfortable um, for one client, it meant that she was hungry and she needed to go <laughs> grab a snack. Like it's, it's just even the most subtle of details about like what's happening and just noticing it about what's happening is, is key to us just slowing down and getting more mindful about what it is so that we can understand or that, so that we can even begin to just let it, like you said, move through us and then, you know, see what, what signals or what messages it's, it's telling us. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think as, as photographers, I mean, there is certainly the type of photographer who loves gear and is really into like the technicalities of the camera and the lens and the artificial lighting. And, and they, they like geek out on all of that, like technical stuff, but and, and I mean, I think that there's space for this and that and what I'm about to say, but there's also the type of photographer. Um, I shouldn't just say just gear, you know, maybe they love the composition aspect, like maybe they love the art of it. Yeah. But I think beyond that, when we're talking about portraits in particular, there's the type of photographer who really is just in love with observing humans. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we just, we love to connect with people. We love to hold ourselves up as a mirror and help people see themselves more clearly. And when you're in that headspace of like, not just posing, but like holding space for the person on the other side of the camera and really allowing yourself to see them, it, it's inevitable that you're going to pick up on like, oh, her shoulders don't keep rising up because that's what her body is naturally meant to do. It's because Mm -hmm. she's feeling a certain way. And how can I talk her through that process as opposed to just like, you know, manually pushing her shoulders down every time, which I've certainly seen photographers who do that. They can't kind of make that leap to the next level of this is why this person is, um, you know, 
I don't even want to use the word resisting, but just not naturally doing the things that I think they should be doing in front of a camera. Um, so I do think that takes a special skill set uh, as a as a photographer, as a coach, as as a sex doula. I would imagine you you really have to be able to see people beyond just whatever they they think they want you to see. Yes. And beyond what they, what they're saying with their mouths. Yes. Um, I'm sure you as a therapist, you know, that, uh, more than anyone, but yeah, it, it's definitely true. And on to the, to the, on the point of gear photographers, I have mm-hmm. had the same camera body for years at this point. I've not switched over to mirrorless or anything like that. I'm, I'm actually like, <laughs> behind um you know in terms of the technology but I also have recognized about myself that I know that my legacy isn't just to be a photographer and so Mm. I've placed less emphasis on the tools that I'm using on the photography aspect um I don't I don't have a a you know a certain title that I want to go down is like having, or what's going to be on my epitaph or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I do know that I view photography as a tool to help me connect. And like you said, observe and to be a mirror, to hold up to, to folks, to, to see themselves in a light that it may not necessarily be their best selves, but it's going to be a more envisioned version of themselves that, you know, that they're proud of. That's like Mm -hmm. my favorite part about being in session is what they'll say is, is that me? Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. Is that me? Of course it's you. I mean, we, we know it's them. It's, I didn't, and I don't heavily Photoshop any of my images or anything like that. So it's not that they're seeing something that they visually don't recognize, but it's, it's the energy. It's like, oh my gosh, like, damn, Mm -hmm. I look good, you know? (laughs) And they can, they can feel that. And, and that's what I love. Like that is to me the biggest um, way that I feel affirmed in, in the work is for them to, to, to sense that and to see that about themselves. I love that. Yeah. That, that whole moment of, is that me? That's like the, the best compliment you can get as anybody who's like working with people is like, did, did you, did I do that? Yes, you did that. You had it in you all along. I just helped you bring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit about the some of the interventions you might use with people if they contact you or they want decide to work with you as like the sex doula hat that you wear. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know with coaching, um, there was more than just, you know, the two of us doing worksheets or talking about business. There was also like a lot of insight-based stuff. Um, astrology seemed to be kind of mixed into it. I know that you just uh, have been working on the new tarot deck. Uh, is that also involved in being a sex doula? Do you use those tools as well? I do. Um, and that one's, you know, more uh, experimental than anything. Uh, so what Lucy's referring to is I created an Oracle deck. Um, and I think at the moment it has 36 cards. So I, I asked, um, well, anyone who wanted to participate to submit a form and basically on that form, it had different prompts of like, how do you feel or what words would you use to describe someone who is confident or someone who you love, someone you despise, like really getting into, I mean, I guess this is more psychology than anything, but essentially what I was doing was pulling out and generating these energies that they were submitting to this deck. And so for each person, I chose a word that they gave themselves. Um, They also submitted a video with the, their submission so that can, you know, outside of just what they wrote to, to get a sense of how they spoke um, and what type of energy that they were bringing to the deck from that regard. Mm -hmm. And so as I was building the deck, um, you know, I, I chose the words, but I also chose like what type of, from the, from the categories that I have on my quiz, 
uh, which um, I can share that link with with you, Lucy, to share. But I have a boudoir persona quiz and there are five archetypes represented in that quiz. We have the darling who is kind of that more youthful maiden type energy. Um, And with my clients, it's mostly the type of clients who are they've never done boudoir or anything you know, like it ever. So it's really like their first time just really getting to express themselves in a way that they've never done. They're really excited to get into it. They're really excited to express themselves, but mostly, mostly they're just excited to have fun. We have the boss. The boss is typically, you know, the archetype of like the go-getter, the, the mogul, even the mom, the wife who, you know, is responsible for a lot of things. She's just really tapped into that energy of like, get shit done. Uh, We have the seductress who is really more tapped into her own pleasure and her own desires. And some people might call it selfish, but they really understand that if, if I am going to be able to support anything else around me, whether it's my family, whether it's my job or whatever else I'm taking care of, I really need to be tapped into myself and what makes me tick. Mm-hmm. Then there's the goddess, which is, she's kind of, the goddess to me is like, not I have arrived, but I'm really very self-aware. They may have gone through quote unquote, many lives, um, just different journeys that they've, they've learned lots of lessons and they're at a point where they're um, ready to share those lessons and teach other people as well. And then um, I'm missing one more. <laughs> oh goodness, of course. <laughs> Goddess, boss, seductress, darling. Um, but essentially wh- when I came up with the deck, I divided all the cards into each of those archetypes and categories. Mm-hmm. And it what it allows me to do, um, now what I do is before each session, I will pu- pull a card. Well, the card, I usually have a card that just naturally jumps out and let that kind of set the tone for the session. Even with my, 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 uh, sex dual coaching clients, I'll do the same thing. For instance, we had a client in the studio a couple of weeks ago who was actually a widow and she was doing this for herself. She said it was something that she'd always wanted to do, but her husband was not on board for her doing that. Um, so this was kind of like her, you know, living her life. She said, I I just want to start living for me right now. And she was just at that place. The card that came out before that session was the gratitude card. And the woman who submitted that card was also a widow. And I just felt like, you know, anytime I, anytime I pull a card from the deck, it's, it's, it's very intuitive. And um, it just really goes to show that, you know, not all of the, not all of the tools that we have are always the most logical ones. Sometimes they're very intuitive and I am uh, an intuitive person. And I, I believe that the deck is a gift in that regard, but some of the other things that I, I leverage are, you know, the practice of mirror work. Um, Mm -hmm. It's something that naturally happens in the studio. There's mirrors everywhere because they look beautiful, but also (laughs) clients want to see themselves. Mm -hmm. And so we, we take that as an opportunity for them to really see themselves um, and stand in front of a mirror much longer than what you might do if you're, you know, brushing your hair or brushing your teeth when you're really only looking at what you are manipulating and not, you know, making eye contact with yourself and getting really intimate because that can be very vulnerable for people. It may mm-hmm. be uncomfortable, um, but for some people, it's, it's exactly what they need to really see themselves for who they are. Those are a couple, you know, some of the other things I, I love using music. Um, I really want to get into sound therapy even more. So that's something that's on my, my bucket list to, to take some sound healing classes mm. and maybe even like Reiki and things like that. But I really stick with what I know, um, which is, you know, the, the, the mirror work. I do use my, my deck. We dance in the studio. I think dance is very healing as well. Um, as well as listening to music, I allow my clients, well, I allow them, um, I ask them to come with uh, their playlist of what they want to feel like when they are just their most confident, like badass self. That might be Beyonce, that might be heavy metal, that might be country. I don't care. It doesn't matter <laughs> to me because it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that. those are just a few of the things that we we use and leverage. I love that. So I have, I have 
two more like big burning questions in mind and they're not necessarily connected, but they might be. So I'm going to ask them both at the same time. Okay. Uh, Okay. The first question is, tell me about your journey from very uh, logical brained engineer Latoya to this more intuitive, artistic, you know, touchy feely version of yourself. Yes. (laughs) And then the second question may or may not be connected. Um, but I'm particularly interested in, um, since you mentioned wanting to be trained through a black lens, how has this work of yours been received within your family and also within the greater black community that you might Mm -hmm. have? Because I know that, you know, certain circles are still a little bit more traditional. They may or may not be ready for this level of, you know, oh, she said the S word, the sex Mm -hmm. word. And, um, and, and what are you going to wear on camera Latoya? And, and what are you going to talk about on your Instagram? And so tell me how that journey has been for you as far as like both public and intimate uh, relationships, that reception. Oh, okay. So I'll, it's so ironic that you asked that second question, especially someone literally asked me that on a call before uh, we started recording this. How has your family <laughs> received you with this? Um, what do they feel about it? What do they think about it? To be honest with you, and this is the answer that I gave that person who asked me, I don't know. Mm. They know what I do. I remember specifically when the Essence article came out. So I was featured recently in Essence. Mm-hmm. They were taught, they were spotlighting um, sex doulas and the work that we do just to give people a better understanding about what this work is all about. And the day that I was notified that it was published, I was actually on my way home to, well, on my way to my parents' home. And I, I told my dad about it. I pulled up the article on my phone and let him read it. And he the, his first reaction was what, (laughs) but then that was it. Like there was nothing else after the, what he read it. I sent it to my mom. Uh, and I asked her if she read it and she's like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll read it. She knew what it was about. Like they, they know what it is that I do, but I still think that it may still be growing on them in terms of telling, you know, people, you know, and I, I, I mentioned this, um, to the person I was talking to this morning, I'm a recovering parent pleaser. And so Mm. that was really difficult for me at first, like even just getting into boudoir photography of, you know, "Mm, should I share this on my personal profile? Like, I I know that either my parents either are going to say something or they may not say anything. And are they embarrassed by me? Like, are Mm -hmm. you know, those sort of things like still naturally come up for me. Mm -hmm. Um, as I imagine they would for anyone else. Um, but I know that my parents are proud of me. I just don't know if they are proud to say, you know, Hey, my daughter does this. I don't, I don't know if that's the case at this point in my journey just yet. And that's okay. Yeah. What I, what keeps me and what sustains me is are my clients, when I received those messages, Hey Latoya, you know, I just really wanted to thank you for the amazing time that we had at the studio for my session. I really felt like this was the catalyst to, you know, this next level of my journey, whatever that may look like for them or seeing them for the first time, like post, you know, themselves in a two piece or, you know, and, and not giving a fuck about like who sees it, you know, those are the types of things that really just inspire me, encourage me and motivate me. Even though, you know, there's that, that little Latoya deep down inside who still wants to make her parents proud, but it's like, okay, well it'll come or it may not come. You know, I know that they love me and they respect me, which is more than anything is what I, I desire is just for them to respect me as a, as an adult, as a human being. So that's where, that's where things are in terms of like how my family has received me. They don't treat me any differently, but they don't necessarily talk about it with me. Um, And so how I got from, you know, super logical, uh, analytical Latoya as an engineer to where I am now, I think she's always been there. My mom told me that when I was, when I was little, 
I was always in a book. I used to write, I still have like one of my book of poems that I had in high school. So I, I was always like creative and a natural like writer. Um, I didn't ever think that I would be a photographer. You know, I, I never really saw myself as creative in, in terms of like uh, visual media or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also why sometimes I'm like, uh, yeah, I am a photographer, but I also do other things. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's, it's the blessing of having like lots of gifts and talents. Yeah. Um, but I think somewhere along the way, um, probably around high school, there was much more of a focus on like, okay, what are you going to do for a profession? We really need to think about how you're going to make money, how you're going to, you know, build a career. And so I was, I went to a residential high school, my junior and senior years. Um, and it was a school for science and mathematics. And so had a very rigorous curriculum in the the maths and sciences. And then I went on to major in engineering when I went to college. Uh, I didn't really do much of my creative stuff then. I don't really, I don't recall. Um, I was really just excited about just learning. I mean, I I still am a nerd. I love to like (laughs) learn new things. This is why I'm like, oh, I want to learn sound healing. I want to learn Reiki. I, I like to um, you know, dip my, my toes in a lot of different things just from, just so that I can explore and learn more about them. Yeah. But I think that once Kent, my, my 10 year old was born and we moved to upstate New York and we bought our first camera. I think that's when it really started to come back to me. Um, because I, we just wanted to take photos of him. You know, he was our first born and, Um, We want to just have those memories. And so that's how I actually got my start into photography. I was a mom, a mom tog, a mom (laughs) photographer. And, you know, as, as my skills grew and my interest in photography grew, and as I learned that I really like portraits and I like working with people, I like, I learned through wedding photography that I like intimate settings, but then I later learned that I would prefer it without the 10, 12 hour days. Um, And, you know, that's where I landed with boudoir. But I think over time, as I was getting to know myself even better outside of just being a mom, being a wife, um, definitely once I left corporate America or they kicked me out rather, I was laid off. So I didn't really leave. They, they, they left me, but that whole journey was like me coming back to the creative side. And even recently, I would say like in the past couple of years or so, maybe two or three years, just really getting more comfortable with exploring, you know, my own relationship with my spirituality and things like that. I feel like that has even helped me connect more with myself and even my own femininity because it's shown me that, you know, the, this is a natural way of seeing yourself as a creative being. And it's Mm. not that you are abandoning who you are, who you used to be. You just have to remember. And there, like I said, in the beginning, there's so many parts, um, and, and, you know, shades of ourselves that we, we may not always face them at, you know, all the time, but, they're still there and it's good to honor them and to explore those because those curiosities are just naturally going to be there. That makes so much sense to me. And it's one thing I've been thinking about, again, having just turned 40, having friends kind of on either side of that milestone age-wise is not only do we kind of have to face those sides of ourselves for our own, just kind of like mental health, but also, even if you've never had kids, even if your, your weight has always stayed the same, even if you still feel relatively good looking in the mirror every morning, like bodies are meant to change over time. And I feel like the sooner we can kind of come to terms with that and accept that our bodies will change either aesthetically to the outside world, or even just like like health wise and physically to our inner selves, like what we have to wake up and and deal with every morning, that can be a blow to some people if they don't do that work early on. 
And so I think, I, I really think the work that you're doing, the, the kind of being in relation to your body in relation to these kind of shadow parts of ourselves, um, this is important work for every single person to do, regardless of if they want to get, you know, beautiful photos or not, because at some point you're going to wake up and say, oh, well, that physical sensation wasn't there before, or this new symptom is something I have to deal with. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a part of life. It's a part of growth. It's a part of deterioration. It's, it's just, we are in relationship with, with this physical space that we're in. Oh yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. I also, so it just dawned on me the, the fifth archetype. I was like, I will not in this, this podcast <laughs> without figuring out what it is. And it's ironic. So the last one, so we, we talked about the boss, the seductress, the goddess, the darling, the last one is the celebrity or the diva, which is actually the energy that I, I personally am in right now. It's very, mm. it's like a very dominant, but also very like all eyes on me type of energy. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny how I forgot that one because I'm like, oh, that's, that's me right now. <laughs> but I wanted to come back and make sure that I added that back in there. That's yeah. I'm glad that you did. That's really important. And I'm so excited that people will get to hear some of the, the work that you're doing and hopefully be able to connect with you after this episode, before I give you a chance to kind of do all those shout outs of where people can follow you. Um, a question that I ask every single one of my guests is. If you could go back and have a conversation with your younger self, you can define younger however you like, and give some wise words, some advice that you wish somebody had imparted to you, what would you say to younger Latoya? Mm, That's a great question. So as you were framing the question, my mind immediately went back to me when I was 21 years old and pregnant with my first child. And that was a very uh, challenging time for me. My relationship with my parents was not great. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, you know, I had a whole future envisioned for myself and, you know, becoming pregnant before I was married, before I was even graduated from college, like that wasn't, that wasn't in the plan. Mm. But what I would tell myself is, um, life is not linear. Everything doesn't always have to make logical sense. And as much as I would probably want to, you know, assure myself that, you know, everything's going to be okay, but not, maybe not in the way that you imagine it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to encourage myself to just be open to the possibilities of what may come because, oh my gosh, like I definitely would not have anticipated myself being here today for sure. And I may have, you know, my journey might've looked different if I have, I mean, it would have definitely looked different if I would have been more open to that, but I'm glad that it wasn't, you know, but if I did have that opportunity to, to go back and share that little nugget with myself, it would be that because I beat myself up a lot, a lot for not accomplishing certain things or not having things done in the way or in the, the time frame that I would have wanted it to be. So yeah, girl, it's okay. Like better is coming. Yeah. Don't you worry. Yes. A friend of mine, uh, told me, so I'm not a Kung Fu fan by any means, but I was talking about the exact same thing that you just said, just kind of like, it's not linear, just kind of, I hate the phrase go with the flow, but it really is like a go with the flow mentality. Yeah. And, uh, my friend said, uh, Bruce Lee has a famous quote and I'm going to read it. I looked it up. Uh, he, the friend said, uh, the quote is be like water. Uh, Mm. but the, the full quote is, uh, be like water making its way through cracks. Do not be assertive, but adjust to the object and you shall find a way around or through it. If nothing within you stays rigid, outward things will disclose themselves. Empty your mind, be formless, shapeless, like water. If you put, I, love that. I think there's, sorry, I'm like, I'm pairing up two different quotes on Google, but there's another sentence. I think after that, 
if you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're right now you're in the space of being like water. And that is, I wish more people would have told me that to just hold things loosely. Yes. Water is such a great analogy and, and, and teacher, because it reminded me of one of my favorite quotes from the original Dr. Strange, mm-hmm. um, w- that the, the Oracle, the wise one shared with him. She said, uh, you cannot beat a river into submission. You have to surrender to its flow. Mm. That's, that's exactly it, you know, and water is so powerful. Like, you know, yeah. It, it is, it's such a powerful thing, but it can also be soft. It can also, you know, just, it can lift boats up off of the water. Like it, it, it's so expansive in that there's so many creatures that live uh, within it and just, mm, yeah. So yeah, water is a perfect metaphor for that. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I have to look up that, that, uh, that quote as well. Cause I always love all sorts of water quotes, metaphors and analogies. Yeah, you even uh, the background on your um, Instagram post with whenever you yeah. use quotes, it's water, right? Mm-hmm. It yeah, is. yeah. So yeah, I'm glad that I shared that. I don't tend to go around in life uh, quoting Bruce Lee, but uh, <laughs> thank you, Bruce Lee, for that <laughs> nugget. <laughs> I'm sure he was actually a very wise person based on that quote. Um, I don't know anything about him, but. Um, Okay. So before we wrap up, I wanted to give people a chance to follow you on all the things. Uh, where can people find, find you on all the platforms? Okay. So I'll just keep it simple and sweet. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Latoya Dixon Smith. Um, it does have links to my boudoir, uh, page as well. And wherever your curiosity takes you, I welcome you to explore that. Just honor that curiosity. Um, but yeah, I'm most active on Instagram and that's the best place to find everything. Excellent. Thank you so much. This is such a joy to have you on the show. Um, and I really hope uh, we piqued some people's curiosity today about the, the content that we talked about. Because I think the work that you're doing is really valuable in more than just a sexual manner. And I, I know, like you said, people get kind of like, stuck on like oh well it's going to be this but it sounds like the work that you're doing is really therapeutic it's it's that self-actualization stuff that I think any anyone can benefit from so I hope people will get in touch with you and find out more about the work that you're doing thank you so much Lucy this was a pleasure I always love talking about all the all the things but especially with with friends especially in and the fact that we have gone through you know various parts of our journey together. So thank you. I appreciate you for having me here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Midlife Plot Twists. Be sure to hit subscribe and check back monthly for each new episode. Since monthly podcasts don't automatically download, you can also follow me on Instagram at Lucy Baber and Facebook at Lucy Baber Photography to be the first to know when each new episode is released.